podcast. And I have someone this week that is, I, I just told them I'm so emotional and I'm grateful and honored because uh, this man is not only my friend, but he's been part of our family for so many years. Um, I like to welcome uh, Mr. Conan, Carlos, K-Dog, uh, man of many talents. Welcome, Conan. What's up, Vicky? Pleasure. It's incredible that you have your own show because when I met you, you were a cheerleader in Dallas for the El Paso, what were they called? Diablos? Uh, El Paso Diablos. Yeah, the baseball team. El Paso yeah. Diablos, and I met you because that's when you and uh, Eddie were dating, yep. and I went to pick you up and all that, and ever since then, we've been great friends, and I love you very much, and it's great that you had, who would have thought we'd both have our own podcast later on, you know? I mean, you know, life is weird. Yeah, you know, um, I'm going to familiarize my fans with who you are first in case someone's not familiar with you. Right. Uh, I didn't know you were in the U U.S. Navy. Yes, I was in the Navy. I well, never knew that about you. And well, thank you for your service. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I am just quite impressed with how um, your accolades are so large in numbers. Uh, you're a professional wrestler. You were in MLW, uh, WCW, ECW, TNA, Impact. Uh, you had appearances at AEW. And now uh, you work with AAA. And one thing that I am so impressed by you is that you've held 15 titles and nine promotions. Yeah, well, that's, thank you. That's incredible, Carlos. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, this is my life. This is my passion. Like, it's become yours. And, um, you know, uh, we're still here. We're still both in the game, you know, which is beautiful. And it was beautiful running into you, <laughs> excuse me, in, AE in AEW. Because we hadn't seen each other since maybe Eddie's funeral. Yes, it's been a, uh, yeah, I would see, it's, we <coughs> see each other personally, but you know, on TV, like, oh, there's, you know, there's Conan, he looks great. But personal, you know, a personal, you know, visit is so special. I mean, because you look great. I mean, I know you've gone through a lot of shit in your life, but I mean, you're, you're standing strong and I'm so damn proud of you and where you are today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. And um, I'm just, you know, it's cool to reconnect and, um, you know, whatever you want to talk about, we're here to talk about. Yeah, you know? I want to talk about when I first met you because I was dating Eddie. Right. And, uh, we were in El Paso uh, living with his mom because we were so broke. <laughs> and um, Eddie would always tell me, you know, I'm going to go pick up Carlos and y'all would train, y'all would go work out together. And I thought, okay, how nice. But when I finally got to go on one of those trips to the to Juarez to go pick you up, and you were freaking huge. Like, I, I think you had to like bend over in our car just to fit in our car because our car was small. But you were this massive guy, not only tall, but just hella muscles everywhere. And I remember when you said you picked me up at the Diablos game when I was dancing. All the girls I worked with, they were like, oh my God, like, who is that? And I'm like, hands off. That's Eddie's friend. Like, I am not even going to start this shit with you guys right now. <laughs> but, and also not to mention, like, when you would eat with Eddie, like, Eddie's two hamburgers were like your 15 hamburgers. Like, you, I remember going and getting food for you. And I, I came back one time and I got you, like, I don't know what it was, like a plate of food. And Eddie's like, oh, no, that's not going to be enough for him. I'm like, well, how much does he eat? And he goes, I'm back with maybe six or seven plates of food. Yeah. And I was like, and then I saw you, and I'm like, got it. I totally got it. How about? <laughs> Plus, you told me a story the other day, which was kind of funny, because 
I had an incredibly fast metabolism. So like me and remember Black Magic, Norman Smiley? Yes. Yes. Me and him could literally eat anything. And I remember Eddie would be dieting and he'd be eating fried chicken and I'd be eating candy bars and he would stop by the store, which is, I guess, what is it in Texas? Circle K? Yeah. yeah. The, the Circle K over there. And I'd buy potato chips, candy bars, and he couldn't believe that I was eating this and still being in incredible shape. Yeah, you were, uh, you were just monstrous. And, and that was so, that was pretty cool because I was getting introduced into the wrestling business and I was learning so much from Eddie. And, you know, for three years, Eddie didn't give me any of the secrets of the wrestling right. psychology, which now I am very um, appreciative and respectful towards that concept. Even like, you know, with my, my, my current husband now or any new friends I get, I have that same mindset. Like, you know, you, this is our family. This is our our, our way of living and you're very protective of the wrestling world you know what we know um but i got you know you guys start working in uh what is mexico with with eddie and it was just an incredible journey for me because here's these two guys that you know eddie just thought so much about you and loved you so much and and was training you and just thought the world of you because he saw your fight of wanting just to make it big. And so did Eddie. So you guys both had that motivation and drive. I mean, I don't think I saw you for almost maybe 10 hours a day because if it wasn't, you know, you guys working out and then going and, and, and wrestling, you know, in the ring, then y'all would come home and watch movies of like videos of, you know, wrestling. And I mean, I was like, I, by three hours, I was like sick of it. I'm like, okay guys, I'll see you later. Cause yeah. you guys were just so focused. And it paid off because I mean, Eddie got, you know, well-known in his career and you took off into so many avenues of different, you know, promotions. Um, how has your journey been like, you know, starting this, you know, going from the U.S. Navy and then now becoming this huge professional wrestling legend in the, in the business? Yeah, well, we'll go. So in, so in, it's kind of funny. You don't even know this story. So, I didn't grow up watching Mexican wrestling because I grew up in Miami, which was always a battle between me and Eddie, which was cooler, Miami or Texas, you know? So I would always say, Texas, all you hear is tumbleweeds. And I would, always, you know, uh, what's high heels in Texas, cowboy boots. And remember, he used to love Loverboy. And I go, what a gay group that is. And he'd talk shit about Miami. And we were just going back and forth all the time. But... You know, when I got out of the Navy, I didn't know anything about wrestling. I only knew like two or three guys, Chavo Guerrero, his brother, senior. And that was like my idol when I was a little kid because there were no Latinos on TV and almost all the Latinos, you know, they got buried. So you really didn't have anybody to look up to. But Chavo Guerrero in Miami, where I lived, we used to get, and I still remember the channel, Channel 23, that was a Hispanic channel in Miami. We would get wrestling from hollywood california i thought it was hollywood florida there's actually a hollywood in florida and i would always tell my dad hey take me to wrestling matches it's too far i go no it's in hollywood bro it's, <laughs> but anyway so he so he um i would see chavo and this is what i loved about chavo chavo had a cool move which is now known as the northern night northern light suplex and he would call it the mexplex 
He was great on the mic. He was a great worker. He was a great interview. He made you proud to be a Latino. So like he was the first, first um, Latino, him and Mil Moscos were like the only Latinos that I knew, the only Mexicans. I didn't even know where Mexico was or nothing. When I finally get into the Navy, I get stationed here in San Diego, California, which is as far as you can get from Miami. I get stationed in San Diego, and a guy, I was actually, on that time, I was on the Navy boxing team, and this guy, he saw me training, and he invited me to a Lucha Libre match in Tijuana, which I'd never been to Tijuana. I didn't know what Lucha Libre was, and so he explained it to me, and then he went to his car, and he opened up the trunk, and he had a belt, a championship belt, and I'd never seen a belt in my life, and I popped, and I was like, holy shit, and the guy was like limping, and I go, you're the world champion, he goes, yeah, I broke my leg in a match, he goes, I'm training for my comeback, he goes, I want to take you to the matches, and I want to introduce you to the promoters, can you believe in, in, um, uh, I think the second time I went to Tijuana, I actually ran into Chavo Guerrero. He was there. He had wrestled. He, I don't know if he had, no, I don't think he had wrestled because Eddie wrestled that night. He had come to see Eddie. Okay. So that night I met Chavo and I met Eddie. I didn't even know he had a brother called Eddie, you know? And, um, but anyways, so I got to Mexico and the promoter was like, you know, I was humongous back then and all the, most of Mexicans were smaller than me. And so he was like, this guy, his name was John Roberts. He goes, yeah, you know, this guy, Carlos has wrestled in the United States. You know, why don't you put him on the show? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I've never wrestled. And so he's like winking at me, like go along with it. And oh my he, God. <laughs> yeah. And me like a dumbass. He goes, yeah, where have you wrestled? And the only place I knew wrestling was from Miami. So I go, yeah, I wrestled in Miami. And I stood the name off wrestlers I had seen on TV. And the guy goes, all right, uh, you're going to be on next week as the Incredible Hulk. And I was like, okay. So I come with him and I go, so what's up? What do I do? I didn't know wrestling was real because you got to remember back then, you know, it was, we thought it was real. It was like they kept it a secret from you. You know, I know that's weird to think about now. And he was like, the guy tells me, no, just go in there. And since you box, just knock them out. Just go in there, knock them out. And I go, well, yeah, I could do that, but how come nobody else has ever fucking done that? And he goes, well, that's gonna, what's going to make you different. Just go in there, hit him with a body shot, and knock him out. And I kept telling him, well, what if he throws me through the ropes and I fall through the ropes and the people laugh at me? And he goes, don't worry about that. I go, no, I am worried about him. For some reason, that bothered me, Vicky, that I felt that I knew I didn't know what I was doing and that if I went in the ring, they might throw me to the ropes and I might fall through the ropes and I'd be the laughing stock, you know, of the fucking place. So I told him, I remember we got to the show. My name was up there in the first match. And I was like, bro, if you don't teach me how to, if you don't teach me how to go through the, imagine I would have gone into the dress room. I don't know what they would have probably thought because they knew I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I would have gone in the room and shoot, probably tried to knock the guy out, you know? But uh, anyway, so I told them, I'm not going to go in the ring until you teach me how to hit the ropes. So he brought me to train and I meet Ray Mysterio Sr., Ray Mysterio Jr.'s uncle. And I'll never forget this. He was putting oil on. And he goes, are you the guy that uh, wrestled in Miami? And I knew I had to tell him the truth. And I go, I've never wrestled. And he goes, and why are you saying you wrestled? Like, he was mad. And I was like, well, my manager told me. He goes, your manager? 
you have a manager and you haven't even wrestled one like he was really mad now and i go yeah it's the world champion john roberts and he looks at him he goes that's not a wrestler that's a fan some fan had duped me into thinking he was a world champion and brought me to wrestle that's how i got into wrestling just to get his foot in the door and be yeah yeah so how did that match turn out I did well. I didn't, like I said, I didn't go into the match. When Rey Mysterio saw me training, he said, I'm going to train you. So oh. I never got, when we, when we went to the show, my name was already there in the first match. And I told him, bro, I'm not going to go in the ring unless you teach me how to hit the ropes or whatever term I use, because hit the ropes, I'm sure, was not in my vernacular. <laughs> so uh, whatever I told him, I said, I go, I'm, you know, I'm not, and he goes, okay, I'll teach you how to hit the ropes. And the day he went to teach me or was going to send somebody to teach me, Ray Mysterio just happened to be there, you know? Yeah. What, what a small world. Yeah. Um, so how, right now you're working for AAA because you told me you're the creative consultant, right. uh, head of everything. When you say you're head of creative, that's a lot of avenues to cover because like, you know, that, like you said, you hold up many hats. How has that been for you to uh, delegate, you know, to be able to, you know, to be in charge of so many people and put it for one show? Are, are you enjoying that? Or do you, or how is, is it frustrating? Because you got to have some people like, just like maybe a Conan that came in and said, Hey, I've done this and that. And he ends up not having that experience that he's told you and you probably you can't work a worker you probably sit there and go like yeah you're full of bullshit you know right, right. Really, someone's trying to get a job how is that for you you know being on the other side of it now uh for me it's real easy because i've been in creative in one capacity or another for over 20 years um and so i know every trick i've either done it tried it or invented it seen it you know there's not you might get something past me one or two times. I'm not saying you couldn't. I'm going to catch you sooner or later. Um, so, you know, one of my main things is I know talent. You know, I've, I've always had a knack for discovering talent. So I have an incredible, incredible roster, but incredible roster. But what I have learned over the years is that a roster is meaningless if the talent is undisciplined, irresponsible, um, you know, if they have mental issues, if they're on drugs, if they get a big head. So I've done a real great job of picking people with good moral character. Um, uh, it's easier to pick them from before because before you, I mean, it was just a different type of person that was in wrestling. Um, and that's really important to me to have good people around me that know how to treat fans, that know how to treat themselves that are respectful and that are good people. I'm tired of being in dressing rooms with toxic politicians and people stirring up shit and people, grown men acting like fucking kids. Yeah. And so that was something that was not gonna happen in my dressing room and it doesn't. And you know, I cracked a whip in there. I'm like, you got a time to be here and you got a job to do. Um, just be honest with me. If you're going to show up later, you can't show up or whatever it is, we can talk. Just don't lie to me because then I can't trust you in the future. But I have a real good dress room. We have incredible talent. And, um, you know, you have two of them right now, Pentagon and Phoenix. They're like my sons, oh, you know. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, Jack and Angelico, you know. Oh, great both, workers. Yeah, great. Yeah. And um, so, you know, 
Um, but anyways, so it's been real good. You know, we're doing really good. I mean, I think the only thing we lack is um, more resources because we don't, it's a, it's still a third world economy, but there's something coming soon, which I can't divulge yet, but there's something coming soon um, where, where uh, we will be very big in the United States. Lucha Libre will finally have that platform. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I looked at the roster for AAA. Right. It's not large. I mean, right. it's very minimal with the, you know, rudos and, you know, uh, you know, which we say, you know, the babies and, and the heels. You don't have a, a large roster. Is that because of your mentality of keeping it small and keeping it very elite to where, you know, you know, you, you have control of, you know, who's going to be respecting the business. You don't just sign everybody just to be a part of the company. Is that why it's it's very minimal on the roster? Kind of. I kind of wanted to be a privilege to be in our company, you know, and they're going to reinvest a lot of money into the company next year, which makes me very proud. You know, there's a lot of things coming. I'll say a couple because I don't want to ruin it because they need to make the announcement. My bosses do. But, you know, we're going to have stuff that we never had in the dress room in the United States they're used to it in big companies, but not in Mexico, but like a, like, like a, like a masseuse, like a, like a neutrologist, like a nutritionist, excuse me, like a mental health specialist, um, you know, and it's really, they're going to reinvest back into the company, into the boys as should be, you know? And so we don't need 300 people. You know what I'm saying? That's amazing. Now uh, tell us, tell the fans a little bit of when does when can people find AAA? When do y'all televise your shows? I know there's only two shows that had just passed. Yeah. Do y'all have anything coming up that we can like you know put out there so the fans can start you know looking out for that? Well, right now I don't want to bore anybody with the details, but AAA is in a lawsuit with a company that did a show called Lucha Underground. Yes. And um and so while they're going through litigation, AAA was geo blocked in the United States, okay? Right now, they're getting it worked out, I think through arbitration, and soon everybody will be able to see AAA. That's amazing, because you know, AAA's been around forever. Yeah. I mean, when I when me and Eddie lived in Mexico, I mean, AAA was around then, I mean, and we, we lived there in 1991, so it was there before us. That's where, well. that's really where Eddie became a star in AAA. He he wasn't really a star in CMLL, and not only that, I don't know if you remember, Vicky, they had him wearing a mask at the end. Remember, yes. I convinced him to come. T he didn't want to do it either. He was like, you know him. He's, you know, he was Mister Nice Guy, and he was like, oh, I can't do that. That's not the right thing to do. And you know me, I'm the devil on the shoulder. I'm like, well, your father left. Chavo left. Why don't you fucking do? Why they? Eddie, Eddie doesn't need a fucking mask. And Eddie, yeah, I don't need a fucking mask. And next thing you know, he came out on the TV, took off the mask. He goes, I'm the fucking nephew of Javier Yanez and the son of Gory Guerrero. I don't need no mask. I'm Eddie Guerrero. And that bro, he just took off. Yeah, you know, and so um, this brings me to the next uh, topic. And there's so many topics I, I want to talk to you about, but. Yeah. We're going to keep it to this one because a lot of events have happened and having you on my show that this is God working because what happened at AEW on this past Saturday on October 16th in Miami, FTR defeated Lucha Brothers for the AAA tag team titles. And sitting there, Conan was just like, 
things were just kind of like, I'm, I'm reminiscing about, you know, when Eddie and our bar, were, which were the Gringo Locos, you know, having the, the AAA uh, tag team titles um, and, and having you on my show, I, I really wanted to express like the history of these, you know, tag titles because um, people aren't going to understand the history until they see, you know, this, this happening, you know, AEW. Um, now, with you became you came to AEW and you had a promo with Tolly Blanchard because Tolly Blanchard uh, represents FTR and you were you were uh, representing Santino Ortiz you know uh, and that was an incredible promo I mean when I watch you work I sit in the chair in the audience and I'm like I'm gonna watch this and I'm gonna enjoy it and you were you had to do this promo within like. 45 minutes because you drove in yeah. with lights. I mean, it right. was a horrible yeah. travel day. And they're like, yeah, he's not here yet. And I'm like, holy shit. Like we're going live like in an hour and he's not here. And you came in like just like a rush of wind, but you went out there and knocked it out of the fucking park. I was like, who does that? I was like, this is the man that I met in the, you know, on the border of El Paso. And I'm like, and I just sat there like, man, Eddie was so proud of you. I know he's smiling. And I sat there like, that's my friend that I've known for like 30 years. And you just, you just always like surprising me. And just, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. And I'm just so, I was so proud of you that night. I was just like, yeah, yeah, he did it again. I mean, yeah. how was that experience going against Tony Blanchard and, you know, and then, we're going to get into what happened afterwards. Yeah, it's probably even less than 45 minutes because when I came, yeah, because and I came into the dressing room, they were like, um, I told Tully, I go, so what are you going to say? And he goes, well, I'm going to give you the microphone first and you just say whatever you want to say. And I was like, okay, so what points do I need to hit here? You know? And so at the same time, the two guys were trying to show me a pile a pile driver they wanted me to take that I'd never seen. So I'm trying to look at that, trying to listen to Tully. And I just thought in my mind, I'll just do what I do best. I'll just wing it out there, you know? And I just went out there. We did our thing. You know, I'd never met Tully. You know, uh, I know he's great on the mic, so that was cool. Um, and, you know, Santana and Ortiz, those guys are like my sons, man. They're like Pentagon and Phoenix. You know, we worked in Impact uh, for like two or three years together, and we did great, great work together. So there's Which a natural- known as LAX. Yeah, L LAX. Yeah, Latin American Exchange, and it was a it was a concept basically that we were militant Latinos, and the only way you could be in our group is if you were a Latino. It was almost like reverse discrimination, yeah. and uh, we it, it was really cool. And uh, FTR, I'd never met them before, and they were incredible. They were great, cool guys, very respectful, knew the business, just wanted it. What I saw was four guys that were very hungry, and off air, you and I were talking about something, and, and, and you brought stuff up, and inside I was going, yeah, she's right, she's right about all that. You know, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, me and Eddie had something in, in, in common, we were both super, super passionate about wrestling. That's all we wanted to do. That was our life. You know, and we were watching tapes together and he would show me stuff and I would go to his dad's house, you know, where you were living. And I remember he'd be, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'd go to a backyard or his dad had a library and he would have me check out books on wrestling, which oh, Eddie thought was hilarious. I forgot and, about but, the library. Yeah, yeah. it was a, a cold a garage and converted into a, an office. Yeah. 
So here you are, for people that don't know, because I'm sure a lot of people don't know, Gory Guerrero, which was Eddie's dad, is considered maybe the greatest Mexican wrestler of all time. But not only that, he was a promoter in El Paso, and he wrestled in El Paso, and he was a, and he was a rebel, just like Chavo was a rebel, and Eddie was a, They were all rebels. All those Guerreros were rebels. And so the, um, uh, you know, I knew that here I had the chance to talk to um, a bonafide living legend that had done all these things and that collected all these books. So whenever I went to Eddie's house, I was out of the way, Eddie, because I need to talk to your dad and see what's up with him, you know. And hey, then, Gory loved it. Gory would yeah. sit there for hours and talk yeah. to you. Yeah, and it wasn't, but that was the passion we had, the passion that me and Eddie had. That how would I know that he'd end up being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time? It's like Rey Mysterio. I met him when he was 13 years old. How would I know that he'd turn out being one of the greatest guys of all time or psychosis? You know, it's incredible to me. But anyways, I loved working with FTR. I loved working with um with LAX, I was really pumped and I really felt bad because we went to Charlotte and one of them ripped up their arm all the way on the, on the, in the, one of those corners, he, he ripped his whole arm up on, on TV and we had to go straight to the finish and that feud kind of ended. Oh my gosh. So I'm sorry, my dog barking. Yeah. We're at home right now. Um, yeah. So the history, so, okay, so we have the, the segment where you're um, doing a promo with Tully, and so you, you call your guys out, which you thought was something, uh, Santana right. Ortiz, which was really FTR, they, you know, do the pile driver on you, and then on screen, um, they show Santana and Ortiz, you know, sprawled out, you know, someone had gotten to them. Right. Now, today, you see that FTR has the titles now because they defeated the Lucha Brothers for the AAA tag team titles. What are your thoughts? How is it? What are you thinking now? Because now things have totally reversed, you know, to these guys that you met, you know, um, maybe a month, two, three months earlier. What, what are you thinking now about what's happened at AEW? Oh, that's great. It's great for business. It's great to see, uh, you know, FTR, which I don't think they're too well known in Mexico. They're going to be very well known now, you know, so they're going to come down. That's another market um, for them to be known in, which is always good. And for AW to, to grow in, as you know, Mexico is a very, very important market. People sleep on them and sometimes even disrespect them, but that's an important market. And uh, you got to know it. It isn't just because I'm popular in the United States, I'm going to be popular in Mexico. It doesn't actually work that way. And um, But anyways, so that's real good that they're coming down. And I like the fact that we've brought talent, you know, like Pentagon and Phoenix, who are now signed to AEW, or, uh, you know, Jack and Angelico, Sammy Gabarro is here for a little bit. You know, so it's really cool to see all those people, you know, shining in in um, in, in AEW. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of talent coming over there once they get their visas fixed and i like the cross pollen pollinization between companies where like when i started no companies worked together the, yeah. none of this was happening absolutely you know and what's funny about ftr is i, I know these guys and I, I love them in pieces and um you know but them being the smart asses you know being the white guys they now want to that have won these titles that belong to a specific demographics, you know, of the, the luchadores. And now, like this morning, I was reading their Twitter, and now they're now they're writing, they're speaking Spanish on their Twitter account. 
That's and it great. almost reminds me of our bar so much. And, you know, Eddie didn't know a lot of Spanish. I mean, he did a lot of Spanglish, you know, because it was, you know, that's what he did. You know, he, he wasn't very fluent in it. And so I just think what is so much like this goes in my mind, like who would have known today that here's these two guys that love, you know, the gringos locos. And now they want to, you know, kind of follow in those, you know, footsteps. And now they're like writing in Spanish. And I'm thinking, man, I'm attracted to these guys. Like, this is stealing my heart. Like, I, I'm just like, I'm ready to watch what these guys are going to do next. Now that you put it that way, yeah, that, that sounds very, very cool. That is very cool. You know, I might do something where when you guys come in, I'll, I'll probably maybe do a vignette with you because a lot of people have been wanting, I'm not going to give them this name, but I, a lot of people will when is the Gringos Locals? Why don't you do another Gringos Locals? Why don't you do another? Because that was so popular. Gringos Locals, for those that don't know, was Eddie Guerrero and Love Machine, two of the greatest to ever, ever do it. And uh, not only that, they were best friends. I introduced them. Yeah. But, um, um, and this takes us back to when worlds collide for yeah. AAA, when y'all had your pay-per-view, because yeah. this is where you, uh, you uh, de- uh, went against uh, Santo and you de- you defied that friendship and you Perro. Perro Aguayo. Perro Aguayo. And you uh, de- you defined that, you know, yeah. friendship and put it away. And now you made an alliance with the Gringos Locos and right. found his boyfriend, correct? Right, right. Is that the other right. guy? Yeah, I know right. those four guys. Right. Um, and so Eddie and Art were the first ones to hold those titles. Yeah. And then of course, it got vacated when Art had passed away in 1994. So... That history to me, Conan, being the wife of Eddie Guerrero, right. here I am fucking today in AEW seeing these titles change. And then these, here's these two guys, FTR, that are being like gringos locos, you know, and doing this thing. I, I just I talked to Eddie. I'm like, who the hell would have known that this is happening? And, I, and I'm watching this from, you know, from, you know, steps away from these, from these two guys. And now I have you on my show to reminisce about that i mean that's that's beautiful my heart is overwhelmed because yeah. i know that eddie's just smiling in heaven yeah right yeah and boy let me tell you i like i said i'm thinking right now when you were talking to him i was thinking in my head i think i'd love to do a vignette where you guys come in and i remind them you know I was one of the original Gringos Local. Welcome the new Gringos Locos, and that'll get that'll get some heat. You'll see. And not only did not only did Eddie and Art hold that, Octagon and Santo, Juventud and Rey Mysterio. There's some big teams that have held those titles. That that's correct because uh, when they vacated the the titles because of Art Bar's death. Who was who was the next who I don't remember offhand. But there was a, there was like eight years, right, before they brought them back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I yeah. want to make sure that my research was right because I didn't want to like, you know, say anything that was incorrect about this. Cause you know, the Mexican history of you know wrestling is very real in a lot of people. I mean, it's very um close to the heart because the people, the fans in Mexico love wrestling i mean that's their life you know on whether it was thursday nights or sunday nights i mean to to be a part of the crowd and watch eddie and you know you and pedro aguayo and Ivo de santo and oh my gosh me mascaras and you know norman smiley i didn't ever think as a wife that i was going to be seeing this history and then be able to talk about it 
and be a witness to all that that was going on. I mean, I'm a blessed fucking woman to, to be able to sit here and say, I saw all this happen in front of my eyes. Well, not only that, Vicky, you also did something that, wow, you got into the business and you were able to, <laughs> and you were able to understand Eddie even better. Because you probably, you know, it's hard to, and I know it Linda, which is Eddie's yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah, she taught you a lot about how to be a wrestler's wife because she was a wrestler's wife and wrestler's mom. But you don't know until you're behind the scenes what he really went through. And I think when you got behind the scenes, you could kind of understand, wow, because the pressure they put us under is ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, something else that people don't know that I really... You know, you see a lot of these young kids that come up and they, they gripe about, oh, man, this is all I'm going to get paid for, you know, being an yeah. extra, you know, for, you know, AEW or, or they complain about, you know, that they have to uh, have, a, you know, a bad flight or something. You and Eddie used to go wrestle in Mexico when y'all were, you know, when we lived there, you know, you would come by for spaghetti at the hotel, uh, was it San Diego, Hotel San Diego? Uh -huh. um, and, um, you know, you guys used to go and, drive for like six seven hours and they would pay out a six pack and a sandwich and eddie didn't care he was he just wanted to get the experience and get his name out there and just have another match and he'd be gone for like two weeks at a time and he would come home with no money and we were in the hotel and no one sees that sacrifice that both of you had you know trying to to get that experience and to learn and to make it in this business and sometimes you know, y'all were empty handed, but all y'all wanted was an opportunity for a match. And a lot of these kids these days are spoiled and they're entitled. And it pisses me off so much. Even some of the women I know, you know, in the wrestling business that they complain. I'm like, y'all have no idea how fortunate you are to get housed in a nice hotel and to not travel eight, nine, 10 hours a night just to make it to a, a, a show where you're going to walk away with a sandwich and a six pack of beer. Or have to share dressing with men who are watching you undress. Yeah. And sometimes right. the women and men only had one dressing room. Yeah. Engine. I mean, thing, and it was dressing rooms that were filthy. I mean, I remember seeing rats in the hallways, you know, walking backstage to watch you guys wrestle. And so, you know, the venues that these kids have today and the, the social media, they, they don't understand like how fortunate they are and how this business has grown. And I, it's just so frustrating for me to try and explain to them, like, y'all have no idea of what it was like. And we sleep, we slept in that arena Coliseo maybe five nights out of, you know, that two years that we were in Mexico, because sometimes our hotel, we didn't even have a, a ride to the hotel. So we would just stay there because Eddie would be at the ring, you know, the next morning. And me, Shaw and Eddie would, would sleep there. Or we would sleep in the car just to like get asleep, just to be there for Eddie. Whatever Eddie needed, we were there for him. And, you know, I just so oh, is, Bro, same thing with me. The problem is, is that, you know, these kids today, like you said, the, the main word is entitled. Because when you look at the dressing room today, when I broke in, it was all men. Now it's all kids. Yeah. And so, you know, these kids have a huge self of entitlement. They have no idea what we went through and they don't even care. And this is what pisses me off about them the most because they're very hypocritical. They're all about this anti-bullying bullshit and they're all about, you know, inclusion and all this shit. But when you tell them something, you know, like you should be grateful because back in my day, they don't want to fucking hear it. But, oh, you got to hear their shit like, oh, call me a him or a her or whatever the hell's going on with that. And, you know, and if you don't understand it, 
You know, they try to like ostracize you and they try to cancel you or they, you know, like, you know, this BS that's going around. I mean, every, every case is different, but I'll give you an example. The Tommy Dreamer thing. So what he said was not, was not correct. And I do not approve of it, but how long are we supposed to be mad at him? How long do we ignore him from having work? What are the standards? If you're going to be, if you're going to do mob justice, you know, you also got to say, okay, how long can this, you know what I'm saying? They're very, very very to cancel, uh, cancel other people. But if I were to go into their backyard and their background and their closet, and I were to snoop long enough, I'd find a whole bunch of bullshit on you too. So this finger pointing virtue signaling stuff that is from this generation really drives me crazy. The entitlement, the fake hypocrisy, the over the top outrage, the fake outrage, the hey, let's all gang up on this guy. I'm not a big fan of that at all. You know, I I truly believe that when you step on people and some people get to the top, some people get titles and they get the fame and their name and lights and, and they don't have the sacrifices, but you know, when you come back down and you have shit on all those people that were helping you get comes to around, job, goes around and it's, and you're going to feel it. It may not be today. It's not going to maybe be in two years, but I guarantee you, yeah. you're going to be lost in this world because no one's going to be there to, to help you out. Right. Just be good. What's wrong with being good? Why, why do you have to be negative? Why do you have to go on Twitter and attack somebody you don't even fucking know or may never meet just because they're doing better than you? Why do you got to do that? Why can't, you know, I, but those people exist. That's the negative uh, shit that they like to, to admit. Stay away from me because I really, anything that's negative, like I told you about my dressing room, anything that's negative, I cast away real quick. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And good for you that you can be, you know, that testament that you've been through all this and this is how you're going to run your locker room and they can, they can accept it or they can just walk right. away. I mean, right. there's a choice. You right. can either be that good person or you can like go and be shitty somewhere else. Right. That's exactly. Right. That's my thing. I always say, be somebody else's problem. <laughs> you ain't going to be mine. Yeah. Conan, I, I love you to pieces. Uh, you have no idea. When I heard that you're going to be at AEW that one time, I was just like, I was so excited for you. And of course, everyone was pulling you away. And I was like, I got it. I knew him before you guys. But I'm looking forward to seeing you again in the future. And All right. I'm so proud of you. And um, I, I'm, I'm wishing you success in your podcast, which is keeping it 100. Keeping and it 100. it's doing so well. And yeah. now you're, now you're on Patreon, correct? Where you can like no. have pay, subscribers? Pay. Yeah, you have subscribers, bro. We're doing incredible. So uh, we're on we're on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Facebook. Um, we're doing really good numbers. And basically, we touch on everything from politics to social issues to movies to sports to wrestling. There's arguments on there. There's I love po- it. There's I love good, it. Yeah, there's, I'm very, very, very opinionated. I've actually had a star in the AEW come up to me and go, I can't believe they hired you here. You shit on us so much. I go, correct. Let me correct you there. I don't shit on you. What's good I put over and what isn't good I bury. And I do that with Raw too. 
and SmackDown, not just with you guys. And so, um, but anyways, I love AW, what they're doing. I love the people in there. Much success to Tony Khan. I love that guy. He's a real cool dude. Um, and uh, But anyways, check out my podcast, Keeping It 100. And uh, my co-host, who gets a lot of heat with the people, Disco Inferno. Yes, he is the greatest antagonist you could have. And I, I thank him for it. But we're doing really good. And, um, you know, uh, we got to get you on there one time and put you on the hot seat. And um, on there, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was when Eddie had passed away. We did an anniversary yes. special that was incredible. Yeah, that was a yeah. tear. That was a, a tear. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. beautiful. I mean, you do some excellent work with your guests. And I love that you're real. And I love that you, you tell the truth. And that's who you are. Because when you go to bed at night, you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you are true to yourself. Yeah. Well, you've known me a long time, and that's one thing Eddie can tell you. And you know, I, <laughs> I, I have no qualms speaking what what is on my mind. You know, gets me a lot of heat, but I don't care. That's how I am. But I will say this from the bottom of my heart: I love you very much, and um, you've always been a sweet sweetheart with me. Always you know, took care of my friend, Eddie. He loved you so much and you loved him so much. And every time I see you, I just have very, you know, great feelings. Thank you, Conan. I, I love you and I wish your family well. And I'll, Likewise. I'll see you in the future. And, yes, we'll um, see each other in Mexico hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully. And God bless you so much. And thank you again. All right. Te quiero All mucho. Right. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you, Conan, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on my show. I value our friendship. I look forward to working with you in the future. And you put the hustle in, and I am just only inspired by your work, and it keeps me motivated. I love you to pieces. Guys, this is a great interview. Please spread the word. Have all your friends and family listen to this. The kids need to listen to this that are starting out in this business because there's so much work ethic that they can learn from Conan's interview. Thank you, guys. I appreciate all of you guys downloading my podcast, liking, clicking, commenting, giving me your feedback. If you have any ideas on guests or any comments, please email me at excusemevicky at alec.com. I am thankful for each and every one of you. And until next time, be kind, love one another, and I'll see you on the other side. Excuse me!